2: We're back here on the Jiggy Jaguar Show, speaking with Fish from the
3: website TrainForStrength.com. Did I get that correct?
2: Yep. Yes. Most of the internet knows me as a Scrapper, though. Ah, <laughs> uh, why? Why
3: the difference? What? What is is
2: Scrapper? It uh, really isn't one. It just um, the Scrapper uh, nickname um, came about a while ago when I was training for fights and yeah, uh, you know, it just the. Uh, I needed a screen name for uh, one of the websites that I'm on, and the, one of the nicknames from one of my classes kind of stuck. So yeah. I just use that. So it's kind of weird having, you know, there's one people I'm Wayne, and other people I'm fish and other people <laughs> I'm scrapper. So it's, I don't know. I I'm just kind of skip for sometimes. So,
3: so um, give us a little information on trainforstrength.com.
2: Um, well, I started, started training, um, running fitness classes back in 1999, uh, yeah. I was a Navy diver for about 10 years, and I was wow. training with uh, Egan and Roy out here for fights and martial arts, or, you know, jujitsu competitions. Yeah. And uh, I wrote up some workout routines <clears throat> um, based on some of the stuff that we were doing in class and that I was having people do in my classes. And uh, it just got to the point where, you know, I was literally emailing hundreds of people, and I just got <laughs> really tired of doing that, so I just started the website up with the intention of just getting some good training information out there, because at the time, there were some good sites, but there was a lot of just so much BS, marketing over-the-top hype that, you know, I couldn't even stand looking at that stuff, so I I thought I was going to try to bring a uh, fresh approach to providing information, you know, and that's what I've tried to do since then.
3: Oh, that's cool. Um, There's a couple websites that I've always had people email about, and I've, Seen a few times, and uh, one of them is this Matt Fury guy. What do you make of this dude?
2: <laughs> um, I think Matt started out with uh, really good intentions, and I don't think inherently he's a bad person. Yeah. Um, I've seen some of his original stuff, uh, but I think he's just gotten so far into the marketing, um, that he's just you know, I don't like to badmouth other professionals. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things where, um. A, there's just been so many people that, that are just disappointed when they spend, you know, $400 on a training program and it's, you know, a three-ring binder with one-sided picture copies, yeah. you know, and it's... <laughs> it doesn't love up to uh, the hype, basically. Yeah, and it's... It, it, the, the problem is that people actually pay for it. You know, they, he, he sells because people want to believe the hype. They don't want to... You know, and I'm not saying doing 500 squats in a row isn't difficult... You know, but it's not the magical, you know, that's all you have to do for the rest of your life yeah. and, you know, you'll obtain everything you ever wanted and this and that. And it's, you know, uh, speaking with a friend of mine, Bud Jeffries yesterday, yeah. um, and he's he's of the same mentality. It's Some people just buy into the, you know, their way is the only way. And, uh, you know, like I said, sometimes you just, I, I think he just bought into the marketing hype of his own product for so long. It's just, it's affected the quality of the progress. he's putting out. Yeah.
3: Well, I'll, I'll tell you, there's a there's a lot of uh, good stuff out there, and there's a lot of stuff that you know isn't <laughs> yeah, all that great.
2: <laughs> it is no, it's not not you know, it's really it's yeah. Darby, uh, go ahead. I was I was no, jump okay, going to a lot of it's up to you know the, a lot of it's up to the to the trainee, the person yeah. that wants to train, to kind of educate themselves. I mean, we don't need a, a rocket science degree, but I mean, learn some of the basics of lifting, you know, so you can buy a quality product. What are your uh,
3: opinions of weightlifting for most uh, <coughs> martial arts? I know there's a lot of people that endorse kettlebells, but
2: kettlebells. I mean, I, I've used kettlebells and I, I've used clubbells. I've used yeah. weightlifting, you know, sandbag lifting, rocks, pushing trucks, flipping tires. It's <laughs> you know, resistance is resistance, and it's. There's some. I mean, we could just go on and on about how does strength transfer over to the mat? Does, does it help you actually in boxing or, or grappling? Is it skill yeah. and this and that? And it's You know, if you train, and, of course, the, 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 uh, the catchphrase of the day is functional training. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, if you use uh, weightlifting in an intelligent manner, you know, in, in a way that will actually benefit you in the ring, um, you know, training for strength endurance, I would say, is, is the best way to, to go about it, um, then, then there's really nothing wrong with it. You know, it, it, it's hard to say because, you know, there are people that just stick with, um, I mean, I guess Hickson, um, I guess he just sticks with, uh, I think it's called gymnastica. Yeah. And uh, just bodyweight exercises, and he's, <laughs> he's Hickson, you know. <laughs> other guys, you know, there's other guys, that, like you see Matt Hughes training with weights and uh, doing explosive movements, and, you know, that's Matt Hughes. Yeah. So it's it's hard to say, you know, yes, it's good, no, it's not good. It's, you know, it's it really varies for the individual.
3: individual. Or is that, it, is, is it just basically just it varies for the individual? Or?
2: Yeah, it's you know, it's specific. And, you know, I think there is a place for, for weight training or resistance training. But it, like I said, it really, you know, for some people, a set of push-ups is hard. And for other people, a set of bench press is hard. It really depends yeah. on what a person's, you know, are they going to get more out of doing a lat pull-down or a bent over row? or are they going to get more out of doing an explosive pull-up? Yeah. And you, know, you got to find a way to, to tailor it. But, you know, having said that, there are, I think there are too many people that they get wrapped up. They don't even know how to do a basic squat or a deadlift or a pull-up <laughs> or a dip, and they're too worried about, you know, I want a, period, a periodization program that's six months long, and I want to get into everyday <laughs> a microcycle. And it's like, dude, you can't even lift your own body weight. Shut up. <laughs> you know, there you go you're, you're trying to build a spaceship and you know, you got to set up tiddlywinks you know, just be quiet
3: <laughs> if you were to uh, design a program for somebody what would you include in the, uh,
2: the program well like I said it would depend on, on where they're at um, a lot of trainers really try to throw their clients uh, again they make it, the program overly complicated because if it's overly complicated well it must be good you know There you go. Um, I've I've designed uh, programs. You know, you have to uh, make an initial assessment of your client, obviously. Yeah. uh, And then just work on their weak points. When I was training uh, Egan, his uh, you know he's a really strong guy, but his strength wasn't wasn't that great. So I had to focus on that, and his flexibility was (laughs) you know wasn't that great either because uh, he didn't ever work on that. So we had to work on that as well. But I've worked with other guys that you know their flexibility is great. Their endurance is great, but they're just not very strong, you know. So yeah. then you work on that aspect. So it's really hard to say. Oh, here's a general program.
3: Well, let's say for instance you were, uh, <laughs> you would have been there several months ago when Hoist was getting ready for his fight with Hughes. What would you have uh, done with Hoist, if anything? I, look
2: at, I mean, when you look at Hoist, he's he was the, the poster boy for the Gracies because he's not uh, the picture, or the epitome of physically fit, you know. Yeah Um Granted Skill wise He's one of the best Grappers in the world I would you know I'm never taken that Away from him Yeah Um But I would look At Matt Hughes Who is A bulldog and oh, yeah. It's It would I would have to You know I'm not saying What he didn't Because you know I watched his training video And it looked like he did Um I just don't know The intensity of Of uh What the strength training Was for him You know Um Maybe some explosive Movements Uh something to develop a little more raw power. Uh, I I don't know if he would have had enough time to develop uh, enough strength, power, and speed to overcome Matt in such a short period of time Um, because Matt was already, you know, phenomenally strong, and I think he just got stronger for this fight. Yeah. So, you know, it would have been really hard-pressed. It would have been better to have, you know, a longer period of time to train with him, but uh, definitely a lot more strength movements, um, explosive training, Uh, Like I said, I really didn't get to see his pro, what he was doing. I got to see some of it, but, you know, it's really hard to say.
3: Well, Well, what do you uh, think of the ultimate fighter so far this season? With (laughs) Shane
2: Rock and Tito. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It's it's (laughs) almost kind of bad, you know. I I saw Ken in the first UFC way back when it first came out, and I thought he was great. And, you know, when I came down to Hawaii, I actually wanted to get into shoe fighting because of Ken Shamrock. I thought his stuff was great. But now, I think, you know, the problem that he's got is that uh, he's got that old joisy boy, uh, you (laughs) gotta give him my respect (laughs) attitude. And um, I think Tito's really capitalizing on that. And it's really messing with his head. And sometimes, I know it's editing. I'm sure it's not all bad. But it's almost embarrassing to watch Ken get, you know, his head screwed with by Tito, who doesn't even seem to blink an eye. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, the fights have been pretty good. Um, the trash talking, it's, you know, it's a little, I've never been a big fan of talking smack about your opponent. It's, you know, like I've told my friends, it's like, it's funny to see one guy, it's like, you know, my, my niece was born with three stomachs and she never gave up and this is for her. And then the next <laughs> time she's like, I'm going to stick my foot up your ass and turn you into a lollipop and send you home to your mommy in a box. And it's like, dude, which one is it? Either you're the noble warrior or you're the jackass that's just, you know, looking to put your fist through somebody's head. Come yeah. You. you know, it's just have some respect for your opponent and get in there and throw it down. It's competition. It's not, you know, it's not personal. You can make it personal, but it shouldn't be. You know, it's just a competition. I mean, yeah. there's been, you know, after my my, my fight in Super Bowl back in 99, I bought the, my opponent a beer afterwards. It was like, you know, it wasn't like, yeah, now your girlfriend's going to be calling me. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's just like... <laughs> Whatever, dude, we're just two competitors getting in there doing what we love to do, and that's it. It's not, you know, not about my mom or your mom or any other crap. It's just, it is what it is, you know?
3: Yeah. What did you think of a uh, good old short fuse? I, I want Tito, Tito can get one Yeah, that's, uh, even Dana
2: White said that his, uh, his, his, appearance wasn't that great, you know? Dana White said that, it would be like, dude, yeah you know I'm gonna go in there and dominate him and it's gonna be a knockout and it's like bro you had a hard time with a guy that knows shit about jiu come on <laughs> you know hopefully some of the other guys will, will point that out repeatedly so he kind of shuts up and quits talking about himself you know <laughs> whatever well and the
3: uh, the guy that uh, Ed beat I can't remember what the hell uh, Danny I think uh, was
2: I can't anand uh, or something like that Yeah. Nand, he remember. uh he was like, I'm an ultimate fighter, now." And it's like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, you had one fight on the show. <laughs> <joke>. uh, <laughs> I'm assuming
3: due to the fact that he fought on the old, the, the actual TV series, he probably will get to come back, because that's one of my uh, pet peeves with these uh, reality shows that are athletic type, like uh, this or Tough Enough, when uh, Vince had that for WWE. It was like, no matter... What happens? Everybody gets a job.
2: Yeah, he'll probably come in and you know he'll be <laughs> a, war, a ring, ring buster for some guy. Yeah, he'll like, be on like, like a or an or ultimate it. fight night live some week. Oh uh, I like, but you know what they should do? is Get all the losers together and have them <laughs> like a loser's would bracket. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Well, laughs> I'll go at it just for the element. Yeah, and then the yeah. winner gets a. Uh, it's a deal. Well, comparing, uh, did you catch any of the first couple seasons of the Open Fighter? I did. Um, how did that compare to this one so far?
2: Uh, let's see. I like I like it when Matt Hughes was coaching. You know, I yeah. know that uh, a lot of people are on the for, you know on the the main forum that I'm on is MMA TV. Oh yeah, and
3: Everybody
2: at, over of course. Of course, every every you know anybody that uses jiu-jitsu, even if they beat a Gracie, it's still a win for Gracie jitsu It's like come on, you know. Um, I really and a lot of people are like, you know, Matt Hughes is a cocky asshole and this and that and you know this and he's such a jerk and I'm like, look, the guy works hard, you yeah, know, like whining and pissing and moaning from his from his you know his stable of fighters because you know that's what it takes to be a champion. You can't piss and moan your way to the top. And uh, I really like his hardline approach, and that's. You know, um, I made reference to that recently uh, on the forum. I just said, you know, there's two kinds of trainers, two kinds of trainees as well. You know, yeah. the one trainee needs to be told that everything he does is perfect. Oh, that was such a good punch. Oh, that was a great kick. Oh, this and that. <laughs> you know, and, the, you know, handing out six-year-old black belts. Um, you know, and there's the other trainee that's like, what was that? You know, my, my mother can kick harder than that. That's, that's the kind of training that I responded to. I and mean, that was making training harder and harder and harder to see where I was at. I never took it personal, like, I'm not good enough. <laughs> you know, and the guys did take it personal. And I went home and cried about it. Yeah, they're, you know, they're nowhere. You know, there's always going to be an excuse. There's always going to be somebody that it was too hard for them, and it, it's just whatever, you know. So I really, liked, I really liked it when Nat was on there because he just had that bad attitude, you know, that attitude that was just, you know, oh, oh, yeah. I'm training hard and, you know. I'm it was just a... Uh, I think it, it's
3: better this season with the fact that they've just had fights and other things where they're not having them do, like, little obstacle courses and crap like I that. It. I'm like, what the hell is this? What is this yeah, going to I,
2: prove? I, you, know, I just, you know, the team challenges are kind of like, meh. It's better when it's when it's on. It's all on one person. You know, it's like, yeah. hey, man, now the pressure's on you. we got to keep, you know, as Shamrock says, we've got to keep the hammer on our side. So, <laughs> you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, this next show.
3: You think Shamrock, when he fights Tito, is going to be able to do anything? I know we talked about this off-air yesterday, but
2: he's going to be able to do anything against Tito. I, I think Tito's in his head. Well, there's two main factors. Tito's in his head so far that, you know, he's in his ass. That's how far he's in his head. <laughs> he's so far in there. It's not even funny, you know. And, two, um, I think... Uh, just going by the way, and I'm sure Ken is a, is a good coach. I mean, he's, he's had yeah. good fighters, you know, but the fact that he brought in a nutritionist, you know, um, instead of a grappling coach, uh, <laughs> you know, I know he brought a boxing coach in, but, you know, apparently the guy is kind of, I don't know, they do not anything about him. And yeah. Tito brought in, you know, a phenomenal grappling coach. Oh, yeah. You know, and a kick-ass box coach, boxing coach. So that, that tells me from a training standpoint that you know tito's not afraid to learn from other people yeah you know he realizes that the sport does evolve he doesn't have all the answers and there are people that are better at certain aspects of the game than he is whereas ken i think you know he feels that he really can't be taught anything about fighting um maybe with his with his nutritionist he can be told about you know how to eat and things like that but as far as skill uh The skill to beat Tito, I think it was pretty evident last time that he just got, you know, stomped, which was really, really bad to watch. I mean, he had lumps on his lumps. It was bad. It's just, uh, I really don't see it being any different this time. I think, you know, Tito's uh, smack talk is going to get to Ken one more time, and he's just going to lose his composure. He's going to blow his load, and Tito's just going to, you know, hurt him.
3: What do you think of this, uh, getting away from UFC a little bit, what do you think of this new uh, IFL... International Fight League that's starting up with uh, coaches and kind of like a, oh an old amateur wrestling-like environment?
2: Um, I haven't really seen too much about it, but anything that, you know, I've read a couple of things about it and everybody's had positive things to say. Um, anything that helps guys uh, fight more often, you know, yeah. I think is a good thing. The more competition you have, the better. I mean, the more you get to compete, the better athlete you're going to be. And that's part of the problem that we have here in Hawaii was that, you know, we were only having events every three or four months, and that's, you know, because there's only one one uh, promoter on the island, Uh, TJ Thompson for Super Bowl, which is icon sports now. You know, and it was was really rough because the guys in the mainland, they were competing so much more often against bigger guys, against better guys, against different guys, and the guys here, we were all stuck, you know, competing with each other. So it was just, it was kind of like we never really had a chance to it up, but now that there's other productions and the guys here are able to travel to the mainland uh, and train with other guys more often and compete in the mainland, um, it just made, it just brought the level of fighters up here. So any any avenue that uh, allows fighters to, you know, raise their level of ability, you know, yeah. raise the level of competition, and makes a better show all around, no matter what it is.
3: Did you get you a uh, chance to see uh, any of the Rumble in the Rock show that had? Hank Abbott and Butter or not Butterbean uh, Cabbage on it no I didn't that was a uh, I I love the environment that they that they had there with uh, yeah. Only, the yeah
2: it's always it's always a pretty cool show yeah. Yeah, they always yeah. have really good shows down here in Hawaii I've seen Cabbage train he actually trained out of grappling limited oh yeah. really a rock chin yeah
3: so how so how, he, how he is he training up. wise? Does does he actually train, or is he like tank kind of back in the day where it's just like I oh, showed up, did a few things, went on. I think
2: now Cabbage, um, he got he got a firing under his ass um, after a few events, um, and because uh, back in the day he did kind of take it easy, He was just kind of like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna maybe go surfing or something, of training. <laughs> was, you know, I mean, it was, it was even frustrating, Egan. It was like, dude you know, are you going to fight or not? And, you know, you're not going to fight under the, you know, grappling limited banner if you're not yeah. going to train, you know. And it was just, no coach wants a fighter that's too much of a Hollywood to train. Yeah. You know, he doesn't want to train, but he wants to get in the ring and represent, you know, it's, it's just like, you're not going to represent me looking like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that uh,
3: Egan and uh, Helson will ever resolve their, their issue? I know I, I read some things on the internet so. and talked to you and just, I, where does that all
2: start, stem from? Um, you know, and I know Egan, and I was actually there for for a lot of the crap. Um, you know, Egan started out at Helson's. Uh, he yeah. was only there for eight months. And from what I understand, this all started over uh, Egan and Ensign wanting to train with other instructors. Yeah. And, you know, Helson's very... You know, you train with me only. If you go to another school, you're a trader. Uh, it's a very old-school Brazilian, which is, you know, which is fine. But yeah, um, if you want to get into mixed martial arts and, you, you know, you're intelligent enough to realize that, hey, man, I need some boxing and some, yeah. some Muay Thai, and I'm just not getting it here, you shouldn't be prevented from going to another school. So it all started with that. And then it was, you know, when I, got, when I first got stationed down here, I was stationed at the SEAL team. Yeah, um, and all the guys that were training jujitsu at the time were all going to health. So I just, just because I'm, you know, go go get the grain kind of guy, you know, um, I didn't like their attitude here. Like, oh, we you Gracie jujitsu students, and then I was like, yeah, but you're not a Gracie, so what, you know, and you're blue. <laughs>
1: just
2: like the whole macho, yeah. uh, crap. So I, I went to Egan's, and I really liked his attitude. Cause he was he was intense, but at the same time, he was pretty laid back. Um I started training with him, and then it was just you know, I don't know. There was rivalry with the students. I mean, we'd go to competitions, and there was all kinds of smack talk in the bathroom, and you know, some guys were actually trying to hurt each other. Wow. Um, and you know, I was at competitions, and I'm sure I, you know, I think Ellison's settled down a little bit now. But I mean, I've been to competitions where he's actually overturned decisions for his students. Um, it was really frustrating for us. Um, I was there at the Pan American Games where the whole riot broke out. Um, it was just. You know, I was there for the lot, for the, uh, the restraining order after Helson got a, a rock thrown through his window. And the <laughs> thing was that, you know, oh my God. he just told us. Yeah. It got, it got really bad here for a while. Just, <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's like being like down there. Yeah. Well, it was just, you know, there was a lot of animosity. Um, yeah. And when I was in, I was in the courtroom, Helson was talking to his attorney, and he was like, you know, he just left and, you know, Started his own school and there's no respect and his attorney say his own attorney was like listen you know you can't stop a guy from doing that you just you can't yeah you have to you know he has the right to do whatever he wants to do so I think with with health you know and you know because I i mad met a mm-hmm. lot of machismo going on when you offend that you're pretty much screwed for life you know? yes it's one of you know you insult my manhood you know oh, I do you, you know so, I, I don't know. I highly doubt it. I don't know. I know Egan doesn't have any animos Let I me mean, just, like, whatever you know, there's too many other yeah. things to worry about. Yeah. You know, so, I don't know. it's It, it sucked because uh, there was a lot of, you know, I did have a lot of friends that did train with Halston. And it was it would have been uh, fun to go train over there with those guys. But it was just, you know, too much massive. bad I know, yeah. I know Halston's lost a lot of students to go uh, initially to Egan's school, Barrett, uh, Andy Wang, a couple of other guys, yeah. um, and now that there's more schools, you know, they, they go to them because you know they just don't like the, the attitude. But there are plenty of guys that stay, and they're phenomenal grapplers. I mean, I would take anything away from them. Well, one
3: final uh, thing I want to get to you with, and that is the internet and MMA. Is has the internet been a positive thing all the way through, or has it just the you know the past couple years gotten more negative? What's your views on um, it?
2: It's, it's, it's never really all good or all bad. Um, yeah. You know, I've seen it's great when uh, a fighter, even an amateur guy, you know, he fights somewhere in, in freaking Iowa, you know, and he gets on the forum, and he's like, hey, I won my fight, and you get, you know, maybe 25 people that are like, dude, congratulations. You know, he might not get that back home. Yeah. So, if, so for a guy that's up and coming to to have, to feel like he has fans, you know, feel like he you has know, somebody supporting him, feel like somebody's backing him in his training, and he's not just training for, you know, for nothing. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really positive impact. I think it's the um, the fact that, you know, we can analyze fights and people are becoming more educated about uh, MMA, and it's not so much, a, you know, <laughs> two women or one women <laughs> in a bag, you know. <laughs> I think the, the exposure is really uh, matured the sport, to a level that it, it will be uh, acceptable mainstream. And it, it's getting there. You know, um, the, the crappy part is you're always going to have somebody that's talking smack. Um, you know, it's it's like whenever you go to a fight and there's the fat, drunken loser who's never <laughs> trained in his life and the two guys are, you know, two guys are involved in, like, a, a high-speed chess match in the ring, and, you know, you're all mesmerized and you get the fat guy next to you's he's like, quit kissing your faggots and get up and stitch your other in the face. <laughs> 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 That's crazy. You just want go to go and smack somebody like that. And there oh, are yeah. a lot of people that are on the internet that are, just, that are just that stupid. You know, they just they come on and bash a fighter no matter what. You know, I mean, Matt could have submitted Hoist Gracie, and he still would have people talking smack on the internet. It would, it, was, yeah. it would have been, you know, whatever. So you're always going to have good and bad, but I think overall it's been pretty good. Has the uh,
3: you think the Ultimate Fighter with the way that Tito has? represented himself or the way they've edited together has that changed a lot of people's attitude because i know there for a while there were some tito haters on the internet
1: well i think the tito haters because
2: tito you know as much the people that i know that that have met tito have always said he's been you know every now and then of course he mouth off but who doesn't you know but overall he's a pretty cool guy you know he likes to train hard he's an intense trainer um but like i said overall he's pretty cool um I think a lot of it was uh, Dana White, the feud between him and Dana White. Um, and I think, I, I do think this show, the way they're editing it, they're making Hito out to be a, a little bit better of a coach, um, a lot more mature, like he's grown up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, when he first came in, he was a Huntington ba- hunting Beach bad boy. Oh, right? And he had to portray that, you know, I'm almost like a gangster image, you know, where he's just this cocky, loudmouth punk who's just an ass kicker, you know. So I'm hoping he doesn't ruin that with, like, Wins, this fight, he comes out with a Ken is my bitch shirt or something like that. I'm just like, dude, <laughs> that's like that's like ten cents back, bro. Come on, <laughs> you know. Just hopefully, if he wins, he, he'll be humble about it and you know not run around the ring and pull his pants down or something crazy like that. Just you know, yeah. keep up the positive image because I think that'll keep him in the UFC. You know, so it's, who knows? He might piss off Dana White again and be kicked out. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well,
3: what's the uh, the internet being so prevalent with MMA and boxing and everything, and I notice now it's doing more boxing, bringing boxing up a little bit, which is cool, but uh, you're involved with, you you post on the underground forum and everything, what is your impressions
2: of this Kimbo Slice character? Oh man, I don't know, you know, (laughs) the guy rolls with a porn production company, you know, this. There's a couple. There's a couple fights he fought. Uh, I don't know some guy in his backyard. You know, yeah. beat the living crap out of him. Yeah. But it was punched the guy's eye out of his head almost. Right. But then he fought. Uh, was that Shannon Rich? Yeah, that or
3: uh, Gannon or something. I don't know. It was Shannon? Yeah, well, Shannon, Shannon or, and, or yeah. You know,
2: it was obvious that if Shannon could have taken Kimbo to the ground, he would have gotten totally screwed. You know. Yeah. Um, the fact that they kept it, of course, you know, Shannon looked like. a... Uh, What's that guy from the Goonies? Um, <laughs> I know you're talking about. about. Yeah. I just came like, in the night. <laughs> the big monster. <laughs> Somebody posted a picture of on um, um, the Internet after the fight. I mean, was, the guy had lumps all over his head. You know, <laughs> the caption was like, Rocky, <laughs> I you know. He got worked pretty good. But afterwards, I mean, he looked, like, he looked fun. You know, but he's a brawler. He's got some good boxing experience. But, you know, I don't, I don't ever see him getting mixed martial arts or doing professional boxing. Yeah. Well, I didn't
3: know he would become uh, kind of a pop culture MMA guy like Butterbean or Tank or I don't know, I think he's one underground, you know some of these guys. Icon. I That's think cool. it would be nice to see a Butterbean Tank fight. I think you know a lot of the uh, non-mainstream fans might be brought in for something like that. But that might be cool. I don't know. <laughs> and then I and then I was thinking you know hell Kimbo we'll put Kimbo in yeah, there with Tank. People want to see those two just slug it out.
2: Yeah, that would be actually probably a better matchup. That uh, that would be
3: the uh, that can be you uh, know the one of the the
2: ultimate felony fights. Uh, <laughs> there you go, ultimate
3: competition. <laughs> well, fish, it's been uh, interesting interview. We'll have to uh, have you back on again. I'd like to have you on sometime when we uh, have another one of our frequent guests on Taku on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that could be an interesting uh, talk. It could be an interesting Work out conversation. On my website, the uh, yeah. talk whose intervals. The intervals. Just, uh, what, real quick, what what are your impressions of that? Have you tried it before? Is it
2: intervals? Oh, it's 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 awesome. I mean, it's, it's yeah. what you know. I've been doing in my classes for a long time, um, and basically, just a lot. I mean. It's a more realistic way to train for, for fighting, in my opinion, grappling, uh, combat sports because you're training yourself to go at a high intensity, uh, actively re- recover or rest, and then go again, and go again, and go again and go again. You're not yeah. you're not gonna be able to sprint, you know, a full mile straight, you could probably sprint a quarter mile, jog a quarter mile, sprint a quarter mile, jog a quarter mile, and then sprint the last one, you know. Yeah. So the way that Taco's intervals was set up and the way that a lot of my workouts are set up is that you have a period of high-intensity uh, activity. You know, maybe you're doing kettlebell swings or clubbell swings or, you know, you're pulling on a resistance band as hard as you can for a short period of time, um, and then followed by either a sprint or a jog, and then you do another set. And that, that allows you to put more effort into each set. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a, you know, it's been shown to be more effective um, than some traditional long slow duration training like jogging, Um you know, it, it, I think it's great.
3: And you can apply the principles pretty much anything. Well, that's cool. Uh, Trainforstrength.com is a website. Fish has been our guest. Appreciate it, man. I will catch uh, up with you. Definitely
0: okay. for uh, the inter- broadcast, and we had a uh, we had some interesting uh, extra time come available. So I wanted to be, I wanted to get our guest in here early. The fantastic David E. Bernstein is with us. He's the author of Classified, the untold story of racial classification in America. David joins us here on the telephone. David, welcome to the broadcast. How are you, sir?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: Pretty good, actually. Pretty good, actually. So tell us a little bit about your latest book here, my friend.
1: Sure. Well, the book is called Classified, uh, and it's about how we classify people by race. And The title's kind of a double entendre, right? Because uh, we classify people, but also people really aren't aware. You know, we don't think about why is it that when we apply for a mortgage or register our kids for school, why is it that we have to check one of those boxes? Why are those a specific boxes like? Why do we check whether we're whether we're Hispanic or not, but not whether we're say Italian or not? Uh, what are the def- how have those come to be? What are the definitions of those, and how have they spread through American society such that we use them in all sorts of Places and areas of uh, law and policy that they were never intended for.
0: So, why did you decide to write this book? Because th- 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 this is an incredible book, here,
1: my friend. Yeah, you know, I just there was just a series of incidents that that led me to wonder about this. Right. So, one great thing about being a law professor is that if I find something interesting, I could just say, "Okay, this is my academic research." Now, I'm going to write about it. So, one thing that happened was I had a nanny who was from Peru, and um, when she was. I was helping her get a green card, and when she was filling out the green card, it asked if you're Hispanic or not, As they do it, she checked yes, and then it asked if you're white or black or Native American or Asian, and she said, well, the Native American is only for North American Indians, I'm from South America, I'm not white, I'm not black, and there's really no classification for me. I was like, ah, huh, that's kind of interesting. She said, I'm a mestiza, which is you know, the word they use for people of mixed Spanish-Indian background. We don't have that. We only have Hispanic, which is not considered race. And we also had the president of my university, the ex-president, now president somewhere else. He was on the cover of uh, diversity issues in higher education, or something like that. And he's from Spain. Uh, he went to grew up in Spain, went to college in Spain, went to grad school in Spain. He's you know basically a Caucasian, sort of white guy from Spain. Doesn't look any different than you know maybe someone else who's from a Mediterranean country like Portugal or Italy or or Greece or whatever. But for some reason, he's listed as a minority. Like, oh, are people from Spain really considered Hispanic minorities? It just a few, like a bunch of incidents like that, some cases I read questioning some of these classifications. I said, well, wow, this is a really kind of interesting topic. And while we all, we all know that there was racial classification, like in the Jim Crow South, and that sort of thing, we don't really think about it. We still have them. And how are they, how, how, what is the relationship between the old racist classifications that we had and how did they come about and why are they defined the way they are?
0: We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us here on our big program. David Bernstein is with us. He's the author of "Classified: The Untold Story of Racial Classification in America." So, David, uh, what's been the response to the book so far from readers and from folks who have reviewed the book?
1: Well, it's gotten really nice reviews um, in some newspapers. Uh, some I've done a bunch of podcasts where I've had some really nice conversations. Uh, you know, when I first started writing the book. I thought I might get some hostility from people on the left because they tend to can be concerned anytime you raise issues about classification, you're going to be somehow questioning affirmative action. The book's really not about affirmative action per se, but that's one really controversial area where we do classify people. But it turns out that since I started writing it, and there's been a lot of people on the left who are saying, wait a second, why are we talking about people of color? You know, someone who just immigrated here 10 years ago from Mexico really doesn't have the same experiences as someone whose family's been in the United States since slavery times and was subject to Jim Crow and all that. Or why do we put people from India in the same category as people from the Philippines? Or why are people who are white but Hispanic put in the same category as people who are, you know, mostly of Indian origin and look you know, darker and so other aspects. Maybe we should talk about anti-blackness instead of racism more generally. Maybe we should recognize that American Indians and uh, Black Americans have been subjected to really different levels of racism and violence, and you know, groups that have mostly immigrated here since the '60s and '70s. So there's actually a lot. Of, so I think. Uh, so to sum up, I think. I mean, there's been a lot of interest. I've got more interest, I'd say, from uh, people on the right. But I think uh, I've gotten very respectful hearings across. Uh, the political spectrum, because it's a really interesting topic that people are just are starting to think about more. And you know, as the country becomes more diverse, and we have all we have not just all these different groups, all different subgroups, uh, there really is this question: Should we continue to use uh, sort of crude classifications that were uh, really created by the government officially in the 1970s, when the U.S. was a really very different country?
0: We have got a great guest with us today. Um, David, I am going to have to get you back on. We have some late-breaking news we have to go cover. But, uh, David, before we let you go, how do we get your
1: book? So you can go to Amazon.com, look for the book uh, Classified.
0: Okay, well, what we were originally going to go do was we had Senator Scott, Senator John L. Scott, Jr., he was going to be coming on to talk to us about uh, an initiative that is uh, going on. And we have been trying to get him on this program for I don't know how long. And apparently it's not going to happen because I got rid of our previous guest you just heard. So we go to John Scott. John Scott's nowhere to be found. So we are going to go to a best of here on AMFM247.com.
3: Okay, there we go. Well, welcome back to the Gene Jiguay Show. I am speaking with the legendary Flex Wheeler. Flex, how you doing, buddy? Great, man. How about you? Oh, pretty good. Uh, yeah. You competed for a heck of a long time. For people who are unfamiliar with uh, Flex Wheeler, maybe a little long. bit of a background.
4: Um, I um, well, I started competing when I was about 14 years old, just messing around in the AAU. Yeah. Um, I then, I think in 1987, moved into uh, NPC. Um, 1989, I won the California State Championship. 1992, I won the USA Championship, which qualified me to turn pro. 93, um, I um, was able to um, make history by being the first pro uh, to winning uh, three consecutive shows which gave me the best uh, pro debut in history and then placed second in Olympia at the end of that year. Um, 94 got into a severe car accident and I broke my neck in C5 and C6 which kind of put a damper on everything. Um, from there I started making my way back and um, was able to actually uh, break more records. Uh, I'm the only person who won the Honor Classic uh, four times. Wow. wow. I'm the only person who won the pro Ironman five times and, uh, and a slew of other uh, records, and that qualified me to be put into the uh, Guinness Book of World Records uh, 2000 Millennium Edition. So I've done a, done a few things here or there. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've done a few things, and uh, yeah.
3: uh, why do you think you never was able to win a Mr. Olympia title?
4: You know what? I mean, I, I really feel that, you know... Uh, if I was to be honest which I really feel that things happened that were meant to happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, there's some people who have cancer who never smoked before. Yeah. And and uh, there's some people who just smoke, you know, a pack a day and don't have cancer. Yeah. If it's meant to happen, it's going to happen no matter what you do about it. I mean, um, you know, for, unfortunately, there's many people who have, Lost their lives in a car crash like the one that I was in. I was traveling 170 miles an hour and I broke C5 and C6. And um, a little less than six months later, I was able to walk back on stage and win more shows where, you know, some people, unfortunately, like I said, have lost their lives. So what happens is going to happen. And, and, you know, by the grace of God, it just wasn't time for me to go. And I'm very appreciative uh, of that. And that's pretty much it. I mean, you can't really make no other. No excuses or, you know, is it, you know, political or just that? No, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, The book is written before we get here and it supersedes anything that we're going to do. That's my feeling, my personal. (laughs) And you got it because you asked me, so I gave it to you. There you go. Thanks for joining us on the big
3: program. Uh, Take us through your rehab, coming back from the auto accident to
4: getting back up on stage. What
3: did it take? Um,
4: gosh, you know what? Um, that happened, like I said, in '93, uh, the, the beginning of '94 after a great, um, debut, as I mentioned earlier. And, you know, there was a lot of talk, you know, that I'm going to win Olympia that year and that, that I should have possibly won in '93. And just, you know, things just really took off for me, um, you know, financially and, you know, got a lot of great breaks with commercials. And I just, as most people at that age, and, um, pro athletes like that I just thought you know I was invincible and nothing could oh, stop yeah. me um and you know here it is you know just, just like a nightmare the car accident happened and you know I, I even remember screaming you know as the paramedics are there trying to help me in the middle of the freeway you know this is not supposed to happen to me this happens to other people you know yeah. I'm supposed to win a L- Mr. Olympia this year this is not happening this is you know this happens to other people on TV um so I was really in, dis- in disbelief and uh it just really was a horrible setback, you know, the injuries and stuff like that and everything I had to go to as far as rehabilitation. And um, the medication I was on put me in a really deep um, sleep, which caused me to, um, to have nightmares where I would literally pull on my neck thinking, you know, that the brace was somebody's hands around my neck choking me. Oh, wow. It was actually, you know, just a brace that I could feel in my sleep, and it was actually me choking myself with my yeah. hands. Yeah. Um, stuff like that and i end up going to the olympia actually uh the doctors allowed me to go um in september and that was probably the worst thing because i just you know in the very uh how could i put it um fragile you know condition that i was in, looking at these guys that i competed against i was like you know what time don't stand still you know these guys are running 100 miles an hour and i have a whole year or whatnot to be able to catch up you know they're not going to stand still for me and i I really thought it was just over with, you know, at that time. Um, But, you know, I just slowly started getting back in there. My camp, you know, really was behind me. And, you know, like I said, that thing that happened like June 9th and uh, February, first weekend in February, I was able to walk back on stage and win the Perlion Man again, the show that I won previous that year, and then uh, win another show right after that. Uh, uh, um, What was it? The uh, show in Florida. Yeah. I pro show in Florida and um, and really start trying to climb my way back up. But it took a long time. I won those shows, but as far as Olympia, when I went back to the show that I previously took second at and almost won, I ended up placing I think like a, you know a sixth place or seventh place like that, which you know I thought was a great triumph. But you know yeah. how it is in critics in a sport. You know they call it a, a disaster and a failure because you know I wasn't able to do as well as I. Had done a year before, and I'm like, listen, I'm, you know, I'm gonna die less than And <laughs> yeah. months ago, what do you guys want? But yeah, you know, that's a process. that's a damn great accomplishment. Yeah, but it's just part of the sport, you know. They they have a lot of expectations of you when you. What is it they saying? With great uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Oh yeah. You know? So you know, being blessed with the gifts that I was given by God, people expect a lot of you. And when you don't deliver, they feel that you came up short. So,
3: what kind of. Uh, has your training always been the same throughout your, your entire competition background, or did you change things up? Because I've talked to a lot of bodybuilders where they're like, I'm using the same routine that I used when I was a teenager. And then there's others yeah. that are like, I change it every six months.
4: No, I, um, I didn't know anything really. Because, like I said, I started off when I was about, you know, I started to compete when I was 14, but I started actually working out when I was around 11. So, what, what do you know? You know, what do you even know? Yeah. At 14, 15, 16 years old. I mean, your body isn't even, you know, mature enough. So I continued just changing things. And, you know, uh, when I'd see a magazine of somebody that I want to emulate, you know, like I had a great chest or legs, I would try to emulate them by whatever they said in the magazines. And it continued like that all the way until actually I uh, was at the national level. And then I started finding my, kind of my comfort zone kind of would work for me. But, You know, I I always said that I I train um, depending on how I feel that day. You know, I might want to go in a gym and just destroy it and just lift every pound, but my body's going to tell me what's going to happen. You know, I might go in a mind frame that I'm just going to kill it and work out two hours straight. Well, you know what, that might be my worst workout ever. You know, so I just really learned to just um, uh, train depending on on my energy deliverance and let my body get what I can do and what I can't do. So uh, as far as uh, supplements and things, did you
3: when you started bodybuilding did you leap right into using supplements along
4: with the training, or did you discover those later on down the line? No. Once again, like I said, I started at about 11 years old, and I didn't know anything about protein or anything like yeah. that. Nor could I. Um, nor could I even afford them. Yeah. Uh, so, um no, not until actually I, I got on the national level that I started learning about you know proper nutrition and supplements and all that stuff and um and only then could I even begin to afford them I could barely afford to eat you know before yeah. then, so that wasn't you know even in my thought process, you know, Well, a lot of uh, a lot of bodybuilders and a lot of athletes they I I've talked
3: to a bunch of them, and they always they always mention the physique of Flex Wheeler and uh,
4: <laughs> 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 little did they know, see, they should pick somebody better. And then see that's why they haven't made it anywhere. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What's yeah. your uh, proudest body part that you've got? Is it you know your legs, your chest? What's the you know what? I would, I would have to go along with what most people say um, about me, and that would be something that I didn't develop. That I had nothing to do with, yeah. and you know, and you know, I I've, I've given my life to Christ, and probably a lot of my questions and my thought borns along the lines of Him, you know, and, and that makes sense to be oh, really? thought about something that I I didn't have anything to do with because He did it, you know, oh, really? so, and that would be my symmetry, which I had nothing to do with, and that would be my ability to have the uh, tremendous tremendous round muscle bellies. So I didn't do anything, you know, and I mean, what can I do? I mean, what match am I for Him? Design, oh, yeah. so exactly. I, I kind of just took what um, what was given to me and was blessed to be able to use it. I mean, you know, it's like saying, you know, Shaq, you know, what did she do? Become uh, six foot three? I mean, I mean, yeah. six foot three. Let's <laughs> just, jeez, you know, could you just tell us, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, asking Jordan, how how did you just get that tenacity? How did yeah. you just get that just tremendous, you know, focus? And how could you leap like that? You know, most most of the things that a person is unbelievably talented. It has nothing to do with him. Yeah. It has to do with probably the most talent well not probably the most talented person or being that there ever was. And that's 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 Christ. So oh, yeah. that goes along with anything. I mean, you think Tiger, I mean, if he wrote a book, you think you think somebody else can follow everything that he does and uh, does and be able to be as good as him? No. Uh, Natural ability. You know, it's it's presence. It's like a model being beautiful. What did you do to do that? Yeah do <laughs> mean and I woke up, you know, I yeah, grew up and right I right. Ate and, uh, you know, so anyway, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I hate that some of my questions might be so dry, but I, I, I just tell the blunt truth. I, even more so when I'm asked a question, I'm, I'm asked to explain it the way my mind, my, my thinking, you know, goes along with that. So, so yeah. that's really the truth. That's what I'm most proud about and that's what, what allowed me to win most of the shows that I did. Is my symmetry and my, my round muscle bellies and the, the ability to, to look like I'm bigger than I really am. That's yeah. what put me over the top. And that's what people talk about when they talk about me. They don't talk. Or, you know, or maybe my posing, but still, that was a gift, you know. Like Janet Jackson said, do you think she did anything to be a great dancer like that? No, she trained hard, but she's a natural great dancer. Oh, yeah. You know? So. As far okay. as the. Uh
3: the big thing this, the big story this sure year seems to be uh, Ronnie Coleman going for the
4: the record in Mr. Olympia. Why do you think he has it already? Oh yeah, yeah. Breaking, breaking. No, I mean right. they sent they sent the trophy to him already because they knew he was Go going. To <laughs> <to> play, <and laughs> when he goes in Olympia, got to kind of sneak it back in there. You know, there you Yeah. Well, why do you think that it hasn't been broken up until now? Well. um... Everybody's everybody's left. I mean, if you look at it, previous records have been broken, you know. Well, yeah. Ronnie's been reigning for eight years, so, you know, it wasn't going to get broken until then, you know. Before then, Dorian reigned yeah. for X amount of time. And before then, leigh dominated. So, it was impossible. You know, Ronnie's been here since the day that he first won Olympia, so uh, you can't break his record when he's not, you know, when he's still competing. And yeah. You know, Lee Haney, um, you know, Dorian would have done it. He would have probably got the record, but he ran into injuries. And then, yeah, he, right, the you big know, thing. everybody was... Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, you know, that's, I, I think that's a true compliment to the sport, you know, that there's just not that many completely dominating people in in any sport. And they just come along once along in, you know, somebody's lifetime that it happened. That's the way it should be. Yeah. that's who it should be. That's the greatness of it. Now, I'm I'm sure other people who are pissed off and want somebody else to win (laughs) don't think so, but, you know, (laughs) if it was them up there winning they would love it for it to be the same way, so. The website is tflexwheeler.com. We're speaking with
3: with Flex Wheeler. Tell us a little bit about uh, flexwheelerchoppers.com. Ah,
4: that's the one. Um, You know what? (laughs) I've been in... um, I've been into bikes all my life. My yeah. my oldest brother Michael Singleton. He um taught me how to ride a bike. And you know what I, I had to have been because like, I had just started crying. I started crying when I was eight. So it yeah. had to have been around eight or nine years old and he had me ride one of these old-fashioned KZ1000s, and that thing was a big bulk of a bike, but yeah, I don't know why he he even took interest in trying to teach me, ride. I learned how to ride that thing. I just loved bikes all my life, and, uh, and um, you know, of course, uh, I started doing martial arts, so I kind of went by the wayside and then got into bodybuilding, and, I, you know, the bikes went by the wayside again, and... Once I was able to buy one I bought a Harley, but I end up selling that a year later because I got into my car accident and I'm thinking, Jeez, if a car can do this to me I better <laughs> yeah. get this bike up, you know. <laughs> and um um you know, life really became popular again with Orange County Choppers and Jesse James. Yeah, I oh, gave yeah. you that fuck to call me up, you owe me some money. Um <laughs> Uh you know, the opportunity arrived uh, last year when uh, Rose, when me and my f- uh, good friend of mine, McGuire, were talking about. You know, it's like man, you really should do something. You know, you have this name, you have you know all these different you know avenues. Let's let's do something. So we start chopping it up, and pff, with the uh, concept of uh, you know flexible with choppers, and um, after a year of uh, baiting and learning more about bikes and so on, we are we able to. Um, We a contract with a company that would manufacture solely our bikes, and um, and we're taking—we debuted them at the Olympia last year. I mean, I'm sorry, at the uh, at the um, Honor Classic this year, and we're also going to debut them at the um, um, Mister Olympia. We're going to actually give one away at the Mister Olympia this year, and uh, it's really gone well. Um, Actually, our website is still being designed because we just want to be state of the art, but. If yeah. you go to it, you can see a couple of pictures of what it looks like. And um, The special thing about us, if I can give myself a plug or a copy of oh, yeah. 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 the plug, and to other partners that are involved in it, um, is that we're, we're going to be Internet-based only for a while because we want to, we want to uh, do build-to-order only. We, you know, unlike other companies, we allow the customer to fully have input on what type of concept he wants his paint scheme to be, what type of rims. Right. And we have certain we have certain companies that we work with, like Patrick Racing Engine. We only use this engine, so you know they can choose from a one twenty eight big beefed step engine down to a uh, eighty eight cubic inch, and uh, we allow them to have all input in that. You know whether they want it to be a, a one hundred and eighty millimeter tire on a rear end or a three hundred and sixty millimeter tire on a rear end. So it's not a TV dinner. It's not like um, <laughs> you walk into some of the other places and you have to buy what they have the showroom pool. Yeah. And, you know, with us, when you buy a bike. And you help us build it. You know, you will never see anybody else on your bike. You know, if you're a Raider fan, that's your theme. You know, if you just had a little boy and you want your boy's picture on it, there it is. Or, mm-hmm. wow, skeletons and skulls, if you design it, you know, you come up with a theme, we'll do it. It's as simple as that. So, that's and the great. price doesn't change. Depending on what you do, it doesn't change. We have locked in prices so you can go as wild as you want, and it doesn't change. That's nice. Now that
3: you're uh, not
4: doing bodybuilding, what what competitive avenue were you going down? Well, um, like I said, I had started training in martial arts when I was about eight or nine years old, yeah. and I fought all the way through my amateur career. And once I turned pro, I had to walk away from fighting. And um, I was able; to, it was always my dream to be able to go back and fight. I mean, it's just been a love of mine. I, I consider it a real. and it wasn't really, I didn't know of any political things I was involved in, and just just like, uh, it was like a high, I guess, with somebody who would take some type of drug, I mean, just to be able to get out there and fight, it did the same thing for me, I'd just be as high as as a kite. Um, So last year I was able to get invited to do a challenge uh, uh, fight at the Honor Classic last year, and uh, I started training and preparing. Um, I ended up having to walk away from bodybuilding because of a illness that they discovered a uh, kidney disease that I had, which really ravaged uh, my body. Um, we can talk about that later if you like. Uh, oh yeah. But it really forced me to have to get myself back in shape, so I used martial arts to help do that. And in doing so, um, you know, um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, some other people found out that I was training. They offered me to come back and do an exhibition fight at the Arnold, you know, and from there it. Actually into a real um, title fight, you know, because all the time. Wow. You can't do that so that was kind of scary. So I was able to go back <laughs> and uh, I, I, I consider myself a collector of records. So now I, I was able to collect another record uh, only by the grace of God, but I was able to uh, win that. <laughs> well, but, you you know, know what happened? It was funny though, and I'll say real quick. What happened yeah. after that is I started getting all these UFC challenges, and he just, you know, and I was like, "Oh, you can't fight! Come fight me and this, that! Come fight me in a camp!" Like you're drunk. <laughs> <I'm like, "No." laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get God. out of my face, you know. Uh, but it, it's just like, something that I love, you know. And, and actually, I was going to fight again and uh, defend my dog again. And um, I got offered a new position at another job, and I ended up taking it and being a president of an entertainment company. Oh, wow. And, uh, I just wasn't able to put the type of training in. it's like, you know, if I go in there an and I get knocked out, that's fine. It doesn't bother me. I mean, you're, you're asleep. You don't know any better yeah. anyway until you wake up. <laughs> but if, if it happens uh, because I didn't train properly and I get defeated by somebody that, you know, I sit in it. that would kill me. Um, so I'm like, you know, let me just back away from this I have my little fun. You know, I can have fun now and just go and train and fight and, and possibly get knocked out and not in front of you know, 70,000 people. And I might not, you know. Yeah. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. Why do you? I noticed that there's a lot of
3: bodybuilders that get into martial arts. Uh, Phil Baroni was a bodybuilder. He got into. He's doing uh, MMA now, and uh, that you're doing martial arts and have done bodybuilding.
4: Why does that seem to be the? Uh, you know, I think, that, I think they complement each other. Um, they're very individual sports. Um, when You train with a lot of people to get ready yeah. for your sport, but when you walk in there, it's just you. Um, that's, they have a lot of similarities. Um, you know, I was really able to feed off of um, a martial arts experience when I was uh, um, younger, yeah. self-discipline. You know, it's just when you cheat on your diet. You know, it's just you if you're training on your kicks or your punches, It's just you drill You have to drill it, do your drills, fighting. Yeah. It's just you, you know. Um and it, you really have to that's out of your head and I was really able to uh, to tap into that. And I think they're really, um they're really it's not a team sport, you know. Once you get ready to perform is not a team, it's pass or fill, just you. You know, um you can't walk an errand, you know, and possibly your team if you miss the tackle, your team, you know, get, catch the tackle or if you yeah. You know, if you throw the ball and don't make the, uh, the basket, you know your teammate can't rebound it. It's just you, um, and they have a lot of similarities, so I can understand why.
3: It's a uh, it's, it's a great thing that you you were able to have a competitive thing go from doing bodybuilding into martial arts. You mentioned uh, you had a kidney disease.
4: How did that? Yeah. Uh, how's that? How did that happen, and how's that been? Um, you know what? Uh, strangely enough, you know, I, I always actually when I was younger, I think I was about eighteen, nineteen, maybe twenty, something like that. Yeah. Um, I was working at a gym called Fitness Plus in Fresno, California, and you know, there was doctors and chiropractors in there and everything. And um, I guess I was kind of likable. I don't know. Uh, so some doctor said, "Hey, you know, I have an office online practice. So Why don't you come by let me do some bloat work on you?" And I didn't know what any of that meant or the even value of it. You know, he just used to do it just to, to, to get a kick out of it, you know. And yeah. you know, we became really good friends, so he would always just run tests on me and let me know what's going on. So even back then, when I was whatever age that was, 18, 19, 20, 21, whatever, um, he told me that, you know, he goes, you know, something interesting going on in your urine. I go, what? He goes, well, you're, you're leaking urine. And um, I'm like, well, what does that mean? he goes, well, Flex, if, if you, you know, if you were, if you consumed alcohol, I would say, that's the reason why. You know, he goes, but you don't. And, you know, if you did some other things, you know, I could understand why. Um, but, you know, he's like, no, you don't do any of those things. I go, well, what's the pro and con to this? And he goes, well, yeah. uh, it's not really a big deal. Um, but, you know, just keep an eye on it. So with that information, we were able to move forward. Years later, and we can track back um, that I was leaking urine for all that time. But basically, I, I wow. discovered in 2000 that I had a kidney disease called focal footmental um which is a hard word to pronounce. Yeah. But um, it's basically if you type in FSGS on your computer, uh, it'll pop up. And um, it's one of the most aggressive and deadliest kidney disease, known in men as no cure yeah. uh, to the disease. And uh, it's it's pretty horrifying. They even told me in 2000, they said, you know, listen, before you're out of your 30s, you'll you'll um, start to have kidney failure. And by the time you're in your 40s, if you don't get a kidney transplant, you won't make it. And at that time, they, they couldn't mention to me, but they told me that there are two other pro basketball athletes who had the same disease they couldn't mention their names because those athletes couldn't come forward. Yeah. And, you know, my first question was, you know, was this due to my sports technology u- utilization of, uh, of drugs? And I was like, no, because we also know of children and we know that these athletes that we're talking about now don't use them either. So yeah. those two athletes were the London Morning and, um, Sean. I think, Sean Elliott, if I'm pronouncing yeah. Once they came out, it kind of made me feel a little bit better because obviously, you know, being that I was a bodybuilder, uh, a lot of people thought that it was because of my utilization yeah. of technology, drugs, or whatnot. But um, I had already knew that it wasn't. But, you know, that's just the public is once again. Yeah, it seems to be the. So, yeah, but, you know, we're only human, so, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, anyway, um, that was really horrible. I got sick a lot. Um. <laughs> I end up. Um, let's see, 2003. I end up going on dialysis. Um, as I was diagnosed with sudden death, and I was rushed into the hospital um, by my wife. Um, and they uh, told me that you know that we have to now start fighting for my life. And I didn't really know what that meant. And I asked him what a sudden death mean. He goes, Well, you know, you know, how you hear people may have a a pain in the arm and a leg because they're having a heart attack. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, you won't have anything. You'll just drop and die. You won't feel anything. Oh, my God. Because of how high my creatinine um, and, and my my um, potassium was. So I oh started getting dollar and just <laughs> kept getting staph, I and after infection and just really not nice. But anyway, um, <laughs> in September of 2003, um, a young lady in my church uh, donated me her kidney, and I had to transplant. Um in two thousand three and uh that was not too good of a situation. I ended up having eleven surgeries in nine weeks, uh trying to wow. save my life. So I was in a hospital in and out for about a year. But anyway, to make it a good story ending, um everything turned alright. Um yeah. great you now as you know and was able to go and fight and this, that and the other. So it's been a true blessing. Dang. That is <laughs>
3: <laughs> You've had quite, <laughs> yeah. quite a ride, my friend. Yeah. Wow. Uh, a yeah. couple other things I wanted yeah. to get to. Uh, the they've made a rule in, in bodybuilding as far as the the judging. They're trying to crack down on the the bellies and everything. Mhm. Do you think that that's working? Do you think that they're just not even the judges aren't even really following the rule? Just from some of the things that you saw at competitions this year, what's your thoughts on that?
4: I don't think it. I don't think it's played a a role at all. What so far? I don't think they really have fully um, embraced that law and and, and cracked down on it. So um, I I hope they do because it's it's a lot of things that's going on that's killing the sport, and that hurts me, me personally, because, yeah. I mean, that's the sport where I was able to achieve everything that I did. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, because of the things that are going on, the uh, uh, the credibility of the sport is at yeah. hand. So. That seems
3: to be a, a thing. I noticed that, that that seemed to get a lot of momentum in some of the magazines and on the, in the Internet, though, towards the... Olympia last year, then it seems like people are ramping that up again this year, getting
4: ready right. for the, <laughs> for the right. Olympia again. Uh, and they I mean, need be. I, I, was, oh, yeah. I would definitely advise the you and the fans to, to, to loudly speak their opinion and, and yeah. let them be heard because nothing will be changed unless that happens. And uh, the final thing I wanted to get to was I wanted to get your
3: thoughts on the uh, Craig Titus situation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that you know, that was real shocking when it happened because it seems like that bodybuilding just seems to, <laughs> whenever it gets any type of mainstream press, it's usually right.
4: negative. Right. Yeah, that is true. Um, but, I mean, that's that's like what the media is kind of all about. You yeah. know, they really highly publicize bad things, but not the good things. I wonder how many great things have happened this year that they didn't publicize at all. Oh yeah. You know, and I work for an international magazine. I work for Muscle Development, where I write for them. I have a couple of columns I write per month. Um, so, fortunately, they uh, allow me to be able to speak my, my mind clearly on how I feel about things. But as far as the, the Craig Titus things, you know, it's interesting that you ask, as I have a real different point of view than most people.
3: Yeah.
4: You know, um, just like the, the way the question was put, you know, how do I feel about that? Well, I don't feel anything about Craig or... Or Kelly, um, I don't know if they're innocent or guilty. That will be proven in a court of law. But what I care about mostly is somebody lost their life. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I know a lot of people on a topic is, what about Craig? What about Kelly? It's like, what about her? What about her yeah. family? Yeah. You know, and it seems like, you know, they've become superstardom super over it you know, at the uh, cost of somebody losing their life. I right. mean, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine the the parents, the brothers, the sisters, the Nephews or whatnot. Yeah. Every time they're in the media, it's just about yeah. them, but not about the victim. Yeah, uh, and that's you know, it's almost like they, like I said, you know, they have been propelled into stardom at the cost of somebody using losing a life in a horrible way. And and it seems so. To be my, my, to, uh, my 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 outcome forward. of that is um um if they're guilty, then I hope they're punished by the full extent of the law. Yeah. If they're not, I hope they're vindicated and and that the, the truth be found. But my last comment is that you know very seldom do we ever really find out what really happened, whether yeah. a person is convicted guilty or not. You know, it's you know you end up walking away. What was that the truth or not? You
3: know. Yeah. Well, I've, I've talked to a few people that are in the bodybuilding community, and there's different points of view. Some people are like, well, just. I guess his attitude and, and different things, that they weren't shocked. And then there were other people that, that have your point of view, which is, well, you know, let's not talk about the <laughs>
4: Kelly right. and Craig, Let's talk yeah. about the yeah. victim here. Yeah, yeah. And that seems yeah, to nobody, be kind of nobody to die that way. a lost part of the story. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, uh,
3: our time is up. I appreciate the interview, Flex. We will definitely thank have to you have you back you. on and uh, sure. I'll email you this evening and let you know uh, where it's going to be
4: posted and how uh, you can download it and everything. Okay, great. And like I said, my website is uh, Team Flex Wheeler my other website is Flex Chopper and you can also get my book that's out on Barnes and Nobles or uh, Borders or even at my website which is Flexibility.
3: Oh yeah, yeah wait! I didn't even.
4: <laughs> I didn't even get it That's a whole new interview. said yeah. Oh yeah, wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's for the next one, but we got a little plug
3: in there, like, But I uh, appreciate the interview, and I'll definitely have, to have you back on. Like I said, I'll email you this evening once you to know all the specifics on the download and everything. All right. But have a good evening, sir. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Uh, Bye. Bye.